The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. The Buffalo Bills laid a 40-burger on the Houston Texans Sunday, and it was delicious. Buffalo won 40 to nothing. Um, It was just a fun game to watch um, outside of maybe the first series, uh, maybe just the first pass from Josh Allen, uh, where he sailed it and threw an interception, which is kind of inexplicable. And then um, the very next series came back and sailed another pass, but eventually um, settled into the slick conditions with the rain and uh, the Buffalo Bills just dominated from there. So we'll answer questions about all of that, uh, as well as look ahead a little bit towards the Kansas City Chiefs and the rest of the Bills' slate coming up here. But I wanted to remind you, you could send in your questions to us using our voicemail line at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at RumlingsQ&A. Email inbox is always ready for you at buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. There's plenty, plenty of topics that we can hit on a weekly basis, and we're going to get kind of all over the spectrum this week. Before we get to your questions, though, I wanted to go back through my takeaways from the game. As a reminder, I write these during and immediately after the game. So if you've seen some perspective um, on any of these topics in the uh, in the interim, that's one of the reasons why. It's because I'm doing it right in the moment. But uh, my first takeaway was that zero is the loneliest number. It's not one. It's zero. Um while next week is the real measuring stick for the Buffalo Bills defense, they put two really bad offenses in their place over the last three weeks. Um, you know, 35-0 over the Miami Dolphins and now 40-0 over the Houston Texans. And even against the Washington football team a week ago, the Bills defense played really, really well. Um, you know, outside of maybe one play. But... Um, you can only beat the teams on your schedule, and I just wanted to remind folks of that. Um, they're driving inferior competition into the ground, and that's really all you can ask of a defense. It was the second shutout of the season. Um, only twice in Bills history have they had two in an entire season, and this was their second within the first four games. 40 to nothing is the largest shutout in team history, and um, they have a margin of 75 nothing in those two shutout victories. 
It was the largest margin of defeat in Texans history. And we learned a little nugget about having two shutouts in the first four games of a season. It's only happened twice in NFL history. And both of those teams went on to win the Super Bowl. The 1991 Washington team that beat the Bills in Super Bowl 26, and the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. Both of those teams went on to have additional shutouts throughout the rest of the year and finished um, either first or second in points allowed on the season. If Buffalo can do that, especially playing against the Chiefs and the and the Buccaneers coming up, I think um, a lot of us will be really confident about the direction of this team. Uh, we were kind of lamenting that over the course of the last couple of years is that they weren't able to get right on both sides of the ball at the same time, but they've been able to do that at least the last week or two. Um, so if they can do that against the Chiefs next week and against other measuring stick teams as we go throughout the season, um, it'll make us all feel a lot better about what could happen in the playoffs. My second takeaway, and I gave two takeaways to the defense, hopefully for obvious reasons, but the second takeaway was the Bills' defense continues dominating inferior opponents. And this mismatch was showcased right from the beginning. The Texans had 18 yards on 14 plays in the first quarter with negative six net passing yards. Uh, They had four net yards after their first 20 plays and finished the entire first half with just eight net yards. They doubled the number on their final play because... They were able to gain, I don't know, 8 or 10 yards on the last play of the half. On average, every time they called a pass play in the first half, they lost 2 yards. I mean, the Bobby Boucher offense would have been better. Just take a knee and you lose a yard and a half every time instead of passing the ball. They finished the game with 6 third downs. They were 1 of 9 on third down. Barely got to 109 total yards after you know a last gasp drive at the end of the game. They were able to muster 2.6 yards per play if you don't include penalties. Um, Their 61 passing yards were padded in the final minutes, but also five turnovers uh, from Davis Mills and um, four interceptions. So it just, you know, Buffalo held the ball for more than 38 minutes. It was just, it was a bloodbath as far as the Bills defense uh, was concerned. The red zone offense was concerning for us. But the one TD that they did score was absolutely chef's kiss. Um, You know, they they were held to field goals several times in the red zone. Uh, But let's talk about that red zone touchdown for just a second because I loved it so much. I loved the play design. They're at the half-yard line after Josh Allen's touchdown run, which I'm still convinced would have been a touchdown had they had better camera angles. But that was when the power was out. We'll get to that. But they're on the half-yard line. The Bills lined up for a run-pass option a couple minutes into the fourth quarter. It's the dagger play. It was a brilliant play design, uh, but it put the dagger into the Houston Texans if there was any doubt that they could crawl back into the game. Um, The first option was Allen handing it off to the running back. Um, That drew the uncovered linebacker on the edge of the line inside, and he came crashing down. Then the defensive back that was there crashed on Allen running for the goal line, while the deeper defensive back handled a crossing wide receiver. So it's a hat on a hat on a hat. But then Dawson Knox had no one near him for just the flick and the score because everybody else had a hat on a hat because they had to respect the run game. The linebacker crashing inside, the safety coming up to attack Allen, just left Dawson Knox able to flick out and... Josh Allen was able to, you know, flit him the ball over the top. Uh, Easy pitch, catch, touchdown. 
Um, Buffalo's four previous trips to the red zone were four field goals, and that's concerning against good teams, obviously not against the Texans. Um, maybe it was Brian Dable saving some of those goal line plays for later in the season, um, but either way, it was you know a little bit concerning. Uh, but they also punched it in on their final two red zone trips with the game well, well, well in hand. A four-yard Zach Moss run and a four-yard Mitchell Trubisky scramble bootleg play. Um, so like, it's not like they were completely helpless in the red zone. But four straight trips netted field goals, which, you know, is what it is. Um, the power outage was my fourth takeaway. Uh, Tiki Barber wasn't great, so when the power went out in the third quarter... Uh, we got the studio broadcast to you, and while they didn't call the game the same kind of way, it was at least interesting to hear it, um, especially with the single camera angle. They weren't able to show replays, all that stuff. Um, what ended up happening was a car accident at McKinley and Mile Strip, uh, a little bit away from the stadium, caused a power outage. Um, it was not a stadium issue, despite the crumbling infrastructure that uh, the Bakula Sports and Entertainment keeps talking about. And then finally, the injuries are a concern going forward. Um, after a 40-0 win, we don't like talking about negatives, right? But you know, Matt Milano leaving the game with a hamstring injury, Jordan Poyer and Taron Johnson missing the game, John Feliciano out on the offensive line. Hopefully, all four of those players are going to be back for this Sunday night game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we saw Taiwan Jones also leave the game and head to the injury tent at some point in the game. We'll get more information on them as the 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 week goes on, but Sean McDermott called them all day-to-day in his press conference on Monday, which is better than week-to-week. Um, Matt Milano has played through hamstring injuries before. Um, I, I think it was pretty smart of him, actually, to leave the game. Um, the game was pretty well in hand at that point. He... Um, was being blocked from screen left to screen right. Uh, he left the game, was talking with the coach on the sideline, just talking and talking and talking, eventually went into the medical tent and was pulled out. So if it was one of those like minor tweaks where he could have played through it, but deci- they decided to hold him out against the Houston Texans, and he rests on like Wednesday and Thursday, practices Friday, and then plays against the Chiefs, I'll be pretty good with that. And I think you're going to see something maybe similar with Jordan Poirier and Taron Johnson. They rested them because they thought that they could win this game without them. And I don't think that was a you know a bad idea. Those are my takeaways from the game. Again, you could read all of those immediately following the game um, on Sunday night. If uh, if you're on the blog, if you're just a podcast listener, uh, hopefully you um, you got something out of that. And when we get back, we'll answer the questions that came in after this week's game. So don't go anywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, welcome back. Literally every question we, we received this week is about the Chiefs which isn't very surprising. The Bills didn't have a whole lot of questions coming out of this game against the Texans other than the injury issue. And uh, just a quick shout out to 
Dr. Common Sense who asked about Matt Milano's status. I talked about it in the first half of the show. I think there's like a 90% chance that he's playing this weekend uh, against the Chiefs, even without knowing anything about how serious the injury is. It's just my you know gut feeling uh, based on how long he was out in the medical tent and you know past experience with Milano. Um, so all the questions are about the Chiefs game. Again, not surprising. Uh, Ryan Galupi asks us, is this finally going to be the time that we get a Bills-Chiefs shootout? Man, I kind of hope not. Uh, the way this defense has been playing, we've seen them kind of turtle against the Kansas City Chiefs in the past. You know, last year during the regular season, we watched them give up a billion yards on the ground because they were so worried about Patrick Mahomes on the back end. Um, the Bills significantly upgraded their defensive line over the course of the last year so much that their second round pick has been inactive up until this past week. Um, I prefer to see a game that's like, you know, 28 to 30 or somewhere in that range where the Bills defense is actually doing something to disrupt Mahomes and Andy Reid and, you know, the Chiefs offense. My preference would be to see some defensive linemen in the backfield so it's not a 50 to 48 game. Um, I think the Bills can win that type of game. But at the same time, I don't really want to see it because of how heavily invested the Buffalo Bills have been in their defensive line in particular. So is it finally the time we see the shootout? I mean, I don't understand why it couldn't be. The you know, the, the Bills can go toe-to-toe with anybody. Um, I've seen Josh Allen get super tight playing against Mahomes. Um, I think with the fact that it's on the road, it's going to help Buffalo. Um, they're not going to be at home in front of the home fans who are you know super jazzed up on a Sunday night football game. So I think that's actually going to help the Bills a little bit. But, I mean, this is the games you're signing up for. You're signing up for prime time on Thanksgiving. You're signing up for you know a nationally televised late game against the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When you get good, these are the type of games you need to play and you need to win. And the Bills have not done that yet. So I don't really care how they do it as long as they win. If it's 12 to, to 9, I'll be happy that they won. Um, you know, if it's a shootout like you asked about, I you know as long as they win, I'll be okay with it. But I'd kind of like to see the Bills pass rush be disruptive enough so that you know we can make a determination about this football team going forward you know and championship aspirations if this defensive line can come in and keep Mahomes contained make him not be able to create on the run i i think that the bills are going to prove that they can go all the way if if they come out again and get dictated to by the Kansas City Chiefs offense i'll have serious questions about the viability of this team in the playoffs and that's not talking about the Bills' offense. That's talking just about the Bills' defense. Defenses win championships. Offenses get to the championship. So I'm not worried about the offense and Josh Allen and all that stuff. Give me the pass rush. That's what they spent their money on. That's what they spent their draft picks on. I'd prefer not to see a shootout because I want the Bills' defensive line disrupting the Chiefs' offense. Thanks, Ryan, for your question over on Twitter. Bill asks us, Tremaine Edmonds has been invisible in games against the Chiefs. You could argue a detriment. I don't know if I would argue that he's been a detriment. 
But uh, first it was the ground beatdown, then a pass beatdown. He won't be Devin White versus Kansas City. But can we at least see a major middle presence this week from him? A lot of that's going to depend on Matt Milano. Uh, if Matt Milano is back full strength and Tremaine can be Tremaine, um, you know, I'm pretty confident that he gets into passing lanes and disrupts what the Chiefs or whoever want to do. Um, he had an interception this week, which was good to see from him. We don't always see big plays. We see a lot of plays where he gets his fingertips on balls and deflects passes, and that's just because of his huge wingspan and quarterbacks not realizing that he could move so well. Uh, but it would be nice to keep getting turnovers off of them instead of just deflections that hit the ground. I really like what Tremaine Edmonds brings to the team. Um, we'll talk about his extension after the season. But I think that we're as likely to see a big game out of him as we are anybody else on this defense. He's extremely talented. He um, has great physical tools. It's really going to depend on you know if the pass rush can do what they need to do with Mahomes, which allows everybody else to do it. And also, if Matt Milano is healthy and Tremaine Edmonds can be Tremaine Edmonds. If he's trying to cover for Milano, I think you might see you know a liability in the middle of the field from both linebacker spots. So it, thanks for your question over at Rumlings Q and A on Twitter. Next up is Ron. Will Leslie Frazier adjust to the type of game the refs are calling? Or are we going to see nothing but off coverage when the refs are letting the Kansas City defensive backs nearly wrap up the Bills wide receivers? I sure hope so. Um, Frazier's been in enough big games, enough playoff games, where he understands that sometimes refs call games differently and you have to adjust inside the game. I don't necessarily think the Bills are built on playing a ton of press coverage. And so maybe it's just not their strength. And even more specifically, uh, in the slot. I, I don't think that's what they like to do. They, they like having their linebackers um, play that underneath coverage and let Taron Johnson play off a little bit. He's not great at pass coverage, uh, and so giving them a little bit more of that wide berth when they have those underneath linebackers, I think, is what they do in particular in the slot. But if, especially if the Bills receivers are getting mugged off the line, you would want them to come up and play a little bit more aggressive at the line of scrimmage. But Levi Wallace isn't really built for that. Um, it's not exactly Tredavious White's bread and butter either. And so I just don't know if they're built for that necessarily. Um, but disrupting the timing of the Chiefs, def uh, Chiefs offense is going to be key. And if they can't do it with the front four, the Bills want to do that with the pass rush. And if they can do that, generate the pressure from the front four, they'll be able to clog the passing lanes and they won't necessarily have to jam at the line of scrimmage. If, however, the pass rush isn't getting there and the, the cornerbacks are playing off, that's when we get into trouble. And we've seen that over the years against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bills have placed their eggs into the pass rush basket. I keep saying it. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it all the time. I wanted the Bills to spend that second-round pick on a cornerback last year to bring up the level of athleticism in the secondary. Instead, they used it on Boogie Basham, and I get it, but I, I can't really complain when I've been pounding the table for them to draft more pass rushers over the years. But at the same time, when you have Greg Rousseau, you have um, F.A. Obata, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, guys I think that can play the position. 
you know, I just didn't necessarily see the need for them to go get Boogie Basham as well. And I would have loved to have seen a cornerback two there that could have at least competed with Levi Wallace this year and raised the athleticism of that position. So I, I don't necessarily think they're good at the type of defensive back pressure you're suggesting. And it's certainly not how they've built their team. So it would surprise me if the Bills came out and all of a sudden were super physical with the Kansas City Chiefs receivers. It just doesn't make sense based on how they've built this team and what they're good at. Um, so yeah, I, hopefully the Bills can, uh, can stand up to the challenge that is the Kansas City Chiefs passing attack. We've got one more question into our email box, Buffalo Rumblings at SBNation.com, and it's kind of unrelated to what's going on here. Aaron asks us, I would like to hear your take on one thing the Bills are missing, and that would be the absence of the Buffalo Jills since 2014. I know the Pagulas inherited this issue, but Kim being a strong face for women's advancement in the NFL, it seems it seems like reviving the Jills is something that should be a priority. It is a black eye in the organization, and I would like to see an amicable reunion. Well, thanks, uh, Aaron. Um, I... I agree that it's a black eye on the organization, but I don't necessarily think a reunion is the way to heal that black eye. Um, I, I don't necessarily know if cheerleading squads are ways that we want to advance women in the game of football. It's not necessarily what we're going for when we're talking about inclusion and representation. Um, so, you know, I'm all for women's empowerment, but I don't necessarily think that's the only way to go about it is by hiring cheerleaders. Hiring scouts, hiring coaches, hiring people in your front office, and really at every level of the organization, that's inclusion. That's giving them a seat at the table. Um, that's allowing them to earn their seat at the table might even be a better way to say it. Just giving them an opportunity to to prove that they belong just like everybody else that they give an opportunity to uh, to earn their way up in the organization. That's inclusion and it goes way beyond waving pom-poms on the sideline and learning a dance routine. That's, I think, a better way of, of using Kim Pagula's power within the organization and the NFL. So um, I think they're, uh, whether you're talking about the drum line that's at the game, whether you're talking about the Buffalo Jills, whether you're talking about really anything that's happening on the sidelines or as entertainment during the game, I don't think it's why people are there. I don't think it's you know, a huge value add for the team. I think it comes with more problems than, than help right now, especially when you want to put players like Dawson Knox, Harrison Phillips, Josh Allen, you want to put those guys at your events to be the face of your organization to represent you and your team, not necessarily, you know, a cheerleader that you're paying as a contractor for, you know, a few hours a week. So I'm not of the opinion that the Bills need to bring back the Buffalo Jills uh, for a multitude of reasons. And um, yeah, I guess we'll just leave it at that. So uh, thanks for your question over at 
our email account, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. It's just one of the many ways that you can join us here at Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. You can tweet us over at Rumblings Q&A with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can send us um, voicemails, 716-508-0405. Facebook and Instagram messages to the Buffalo Rumblings official accounts will also make their way to me. Lots of ways to get in touch with the show. Um, obviously, after the Chiefs game, the Bills play uh, the Titans on Monday night and then have their bye week, but it's the most important game that's left on their schedule. So it'll be a big one. Send in all your questions after this game. It's the best measuring stick we've had of the Bills in quite some time. Go Bills.